Today we'll be studying and reading from 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, we learn about the prophet Elisha. Um, quickly, I will, I will tell you uh, a little bit of an overview of Elisha's ministry. You may remember the prophet Elijah. Elijah was mentioned in the book of James as an example of um, just being a normal man. He was a normal guy who had faith and God used. So Elisha was a disciple of the prophet Elijah. And um, towards the end of Elijah's life, probably the day that he um, was going to he actually didn't die, Elijah. Actually, God took him up to heaven without dying. But just before he was taken up to heaven, uh, all the prophets had been made aware that Elijah was about to be taken. And so Elijah says to Elisha, Elisha, I'm about to go be with the Lord. What would you like for me to do to you? What would you like for me to do for you? And Elisha says, I want double the spirit that's on you. Elijah says, Elijah says to Elisha, that's a hard thing that you ask. If you see me taken up, know that the Lord has given this to you. So we know that the story goes that a whirlwind of fire, of horses and chariots of fire comes down from heaven and takes Elijah up to heaven to be with God. He didn't die, Elijah. And so that's how we know that God did give Elisha what he requested of a double portion of the Holy Spirit that Elijah had. And so we see actually the Bible records pretty much double the, the, the miracles that Elisha performs, double the miracles that Elijah performed. Um, he does things like he parts the, parts the Jordan River, he uh, raises a man from the dead. Um, he provides uh, money for a, a woman who is about to completely run out of money, so he miraculously provides oil for her to sell. He, he does performs all these miracles. And, and you see at the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 6, the first episode, it's kind of like a random story when you read it. So what happens is the prophets, there's this school of prophets, and they're all studying under the prophet Elisha. And the prophets say, let's build a house for ourselves. And so Elisha says, okay. So they go, and they're, they're chopping down trees. Well, one of the prophets, um, he, his axe head fell off of his axe. So he's chopping out a tree. His axe head flies off, falls into the water. Well, Physics says that an axe head is going to sink. Well, the prophet whose axe head fell into the water says, My master, what? this was a borrowed axe. What am I going to do? Apparently that was a really big deal. Maybe, they, maybe axe heads were really hard to come by. I don't know. But the point is, and then Elisha picks up a stick, throws it into the water. The axe head floats to the top of the water 
they grab the axe head. And I'm going, okay. So that's the episode that directly precedes the story we're about to read. The point is, Elisha has been given a really large amount of spiritual power. Kind of like Jesus. We know that Jesus had tons of spiritual power. He performed so many miracles that John said that he, they couldn't even record all the book. The world could not record all the miracles Jesus performed. So when I read the story and the life and the ministry of Elisha, I am tempted, I was tempted to say, Elisha the superstar. Elisha the spiritual superhero. Does anyone have a favorite superhero? Shout it out. Who's your favorite superhero? Spider-Man, Superman. Come on, someone raise Superman. Batman, Iron Man. All right, so we've got all these superheroes. When I was probably 20 years old, I think um, Captain America, one of those, um, came out, and then I also watched Thor, and so I was like, I looked up, I Googled their, um, their workout regimen and their diet. I'm like, all right, Chris Hemsworth, whatever you did, that's what I'm going to do so I can look like you. And uh, it didn't work, you know. I mean, I couldn't possibly eat as much as he did and work out as hard as he did. But I did look up to him as this, you know, amazing superhero figure that I wanted to look like as a 20-year-old. And so that's a silly example, but when, when, we, when we look at these people like Elisha, we're tempted to say, we're to compare our lives to theirs and say, I could never do, I would never dare command an axe head to float. Are you kidding me? Like, that would be insane. Axe head, stop sinking. Uh, you know, if someone dies in front of us, we would not dare try to raise them from the dead. Maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe you have that much faith. I, I don't, I can't imagine doing that. And it's just to compare your life is not the point. The point here is to see the true hero of his story and our story. Jesus Christ is the hero of our story. God is the Lord. Meaning, he has all power. He knows everything. He's able to do anything. And he can give power to whomever he wants to give power to accomplish whatever purpose he wants to accomplish. So, Elisha was given power by God as a prophet to do what? Elisha was, his purpose, one of his purposes, he had many purposes, but he was, his purpose was to demonstrate God's power to Israel and to the surrounding nations through miracles that God allowed him to perform kind of like Jesus, um, and through specific words. So prophets would hear from God, and they would tell um, people events that happened. So if we look at the text, here in the, in the top, let's read it together. Um, 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8 through 23, I'll read it. And then we'll dive in. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place 
shall be my camp. But the man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass it for this place, for the Syrians are going down there. Some, your translation may say uh, the um, Aram. Mine says Syri, Syria. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn the king so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So this happened several times. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? He's like, guys, what is going on? Who is telling our plans to the king of Israel? Um, verse 12, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, but, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the things of Israel, uh, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, Behold, he's in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, so the, the, the prophet had a servant that helped him out. So when this servant went out early in the morning, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid. Does that phrase sound familiar? Do not be afraid. All right. He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open the eyes of my servant that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, Hey guys, this is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Samaria was the capital of Israel. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O oh Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And as soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them? Shall I strike them down? He answered, No, king, you shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and bow? Instead, set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master, and the Syrians did not come again on raids to the king of Israel. If you read the next verse, 24, afterward, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. So, they did go back. It probably means that they stayed away for a while. What an awesome story and what a privilege it is to know the, to read God's Word and to, be, to learn from it and to be encouraged. The point of this story, like we mentioned a minute ago, is not to compare ourselves to Elisha, 
but it's to notice the power of God and to be encouraged by Elisha's faith that our faith today would be strengthened. Notice that Elisha, he had faith that God was able to deliver them. He had faith in God's power and he prayed and he asked God. In the moment of our trial, call out to the Lord. He is able to deliver us. Notice that this army was, they were, they were already there. Waiting for the command of the Lord. Know that God sees you. And he loves you. And he is, he wants you to pray to him. My daughter is one, and if, if I'm in the kitchen, she's in the living room, and she maybe falls and bumps her head or something, she calls out for me, I come running. God does too. He loves you so much. You're his child. He loves you so much more than we love our own kids. So this first section, we see that Elisha, so I'm talking about verses 9 and 10. God gave Elisha supernatural knowledge. Okay, This was a prophetic gift that Elisha had. He knew things that he, did, she shouldn't, he should not have known. Um, prophets were a mouthpiece for God. So in this context, this specific context, God wanted to protect Israel and the king from the Syrian army. And so he protected them through, through the prophet Elisha. Um, the gift, I wanted to make mention that the gift of the prophet is one that you see in the Old Testament. It's also one you see in the New Testament. And the, the gifts are similar. Um, if you would like to see a place in the New Testament where it, this gift, this specific gift is discussed, go check out 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It talks about spiritual gifts and it specifically talks about the gift of prophecy. And so it, you, prophets are used by God. If you believe that you have a gift of prophecy, I want to encourage you to exercise it by faith along with any of the other gifts of the Spirit that we see. So what happens in this specific gift of prophecy is the Lord gives you insight that you should not otherwise know about a person or a situation or for the church, and you'll probably feel scared to share it. You'll probably feel scared that you're going to be judged or that you might be wrong. You might be wrong. You might be partially right, partially wrong. Um, you have to exercise your gifts by faith. They're not perfect. And, but I want to encourage you to strengthen your faith, exercise your faith by utilizing, utilizing your gift. If you feel in your heart, you, here's the deal. You have the Holy Spirit in your heart if you have faith in Jesus. That means the same Spirit that empowered Elisha, same Spirit that empowered Jesus, the same Spirit that empowered the apostles, lives with you. Okay, he has given us all different ministries and giftings and missions 
to build up the church and strengthen the church and accomplish the mission of God, which ultimately is the whole world would know Jesus. But here's the deal. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ and we have His Spirit. If you feel in your spirit prompted to do or say something and you really believe it's by God, just obey Him in faith and He'll bless you. You won't be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Just try to obey God with faith. This is what Elisha did. He had faith. Jesus said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. What do you do with that statement? Okay. All right. The point is probably not that you're going to move a mountain. God probably doesn't care if you need you to move a mountain into the sea. His point is, do you have genuine faith? And we exercise our faith through circumstances in life, through scary things. I was at a camp last weekend with RJ's brother-in-law, and he made a statement that I'm going to steal from him now, so I want to give him credit. But he just made the point that it is not a matter of how big your faith is. It is a matter of, is your faith genuine? That is one of the things as I was praying through this text that jumped out at me is, for us, is our faith genuine like Elisha's? The reason God used Elisha was because his faith was genuine. He had faith. He was not a superhero. He was a normal dude, just like you or I. And he just had faith. And God used him. So let's challenge ourselves. Is our faith genuine? As in, when we think about God, when we pray to God, when we exist, do we acknowledge God, Yahweh, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as really the Lord of the entire universe who can do anything, who is He's the Lord. And we submit ourselves fully to him. That's faith. It has nothing to do with how pretty, strong, smart, whatever you are. It has everything to do with God's power and just trusting in God's power. In verse 12, we see that the Syrians knew of Elisha the prophet. So if we, if we read the verse here, it says, and one of his servants said to the king, it's Elisha the prophet who is in Israel. He tells you of the things that you speak in your bedroom. Here's the reality. God wants Syria to know who he is. God's mission is that the whole world would know and worship him. So part of the reason why God had Elisha doing these incredible works and all the tons of incredible works throughout history is so the world would know that God is God. He's the one true God. He is the one. He's the only one who performs miracles. Maybe there's some people who can perform miracles from the powers of darkness. I think we maybe see that in the Exodus story. 
because they could only copy the miracles for, I think, three or four of them, some of the little miracles. Or maybe it was just a magic trick. But the point is, God is the one who can do impossible things. He's the only one. He's the only one. And he wants everyone in the world to worship him. And so the point is, they knew about him. They had heard the stories. Elisha, he's a prophet. He has, he's really powerful. He's, in fact, so powerful that they sent a whole army just to attack him or to capture him. Verse 16 Elisha tells his servant, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. They're coming to attack me. Jesus, I was thinking about in, there's a story in uh, Mark 5. Jesus and the disciples are on the boat. And the boat gets hit by a massive storm. Disciples are scared for their lives. Jesus is asleep. Wake Jesus up. Jesus why are you sleeping? We're about to die. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? So there's a correlation there. Don't be afraid. Why did, why, why was, what was Elisha's reason for telling his servant not to be afraid? Because he saw the army of the Lord. And there is the reality of the fact that there was an angelic army. Um, there's, there's all, as you read the Bible and as you study and as you read verses like this one, it develops your theology, your thinking of what exists and what doesn't in the world. And one of the things this teaches us is that, is that there is a spiritual battle going on. We remember in the New Testament when Paul said, your battle is not against flesh and blood, it's, about, it's, it's against the powers of darkness principalities, there is a spiritual battle going on that we can't see. So it was a miracle that Elisha was able to see um, the angelic army, the horses and the chariots of fire, the Lord's literal presence. And so they were standing ready, but the Lord allowed them to see. There's so much going on in the spirit realm that we just cannot see. And then verse 17 and 18, Elisha prayed, So he called out to the Lord in the time of, of, his, of his need. And I, I want to point out, I want to look at a couple of, or just mention a couple of New Testament texts that illustrate this. Um, in James 5, 16 and 17, it, it tells us that, James tells us that God responds to prayer. Um, he is the one who holds the power and he asks that we have faith. He explains that Eli, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed and God God responded um, with power. He was a normal man. Um, in Mark 6, 5 and 6, Jesus could not do any mighty works in his hometown because of their unbelief. All of this, all of this is to point to God's power. And do we have faith? Uh, some of you may know we're doing, Pastor Robert is uh, in the process of leading us through this study called Prayer Power by Brent Patrick McDougall, 40 Days of Learning to Pray, like George Mueller. And I wanted to read a text from day 10. 
This is uh, George Mueller speaking here. I was laboring for a little while at Bonus and Keswick in the ministry of the word in October and November. When I was at Keswick, I stayed with my dear wife at a large boarding house in which, however, we were then alone except a single gentleman. Just before we left Keswick, on the morning of November 24th, I heard that the gentleman lodging the same house had shot himself during the night, but he was not quite dead. And we had heard the report of the pistol was being very stormy that night and the house very large. We didn't hear it. Mueller and his wife left the boarding house and later received a word that the fellow boarder had been quite deranged for two or three days, a Christian brother wrote. Without any control, he had been walking about his room for the last two days and nights with loaded pistols in his hands. Furthermore, he had taken into his head that you were going to kill him. How gracious of God that he spread his wings over you and dear Mrs. Mueller so that Satan could not break through the fence to hurt even a hair on your heads. What a scene his room presented. Pistols lying in gore, bloody knives, lancets, and razors strewed about the floor. God protected the Mueller's even though they had no idea of the danger just around. Some of you may be great at journaling the stories that God has done for you in your lives. I'm trying to grow in that practice and discipline. If we were to journal and write down every prayer that God answered, and I wonder how many answered prayers we would have to list. I think God is protecting us, providing for us all throughout our lives in ways that sometimes we go through and we fail to acknowledge. God is our provider and our protector. And in your day of trouble, call upon Him. And lastly, the last scene of this, instead of calling God's army to destroy the Syrian army, Elisha prays for blindness so that he could provide for the enemy. You didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't either. So the Syrian army comes in. They are trying to capture Elisha and, and them. And instead of... He, he calls upon the Lord for blindness so that he could provide for them. He takes them to the king of, of, of Israel and, and then prays, Lord, okay, open their eyes now. All right, king, feed them. What a picture of the gospel of grace. He has provided for his enemies. In Matthew 5, verses 44 through 46, Jesus teaches, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Woo! Romans 12, 17 through 21 teaches, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. It says, don't avenge yourselves in Romans, but, but leave it to the wrath of God. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will reap coals, reap burning coals on his head. I think what that must mean is, if you return kindness to someone for being mean to you, Surely they'll feel pretty bad about it. I think that's what that means. This is the gospel. 
This is a picture of the gospel, the song we just sang about. Jesus returned us kindness when we did not deserve it. And he provided for us. When we were still in our sins, God provided for us. So in conclusion, let your faith be strengthened today. Let our faith be genuine. God is sovereign and all-powerful. He is the Lord of all. He is the one who holds the power. And He will give you the power that you need to accomplish the mission that God has given you. There are many missions in your life. One is one singular mission is true for all of us in this room. I want to close us with this reminder of Matthew 8, 28, 18 through 20, known as the Great Commission. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, He said, All authority... Because he's the Lord of all. All authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus is speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. This has been God's mission from the beginning. It is still God's mission that the whole world would know him. So let our faith be strengthened. Let us be encouraged to pray. Let us be encouraged to have genuine faith. And let us ask ourselves, are we helping the world around us to know God? Let's pray together and the band will play and you respond to the Lord in your heart, in your mind, maybe with a posture of of prayer, however you feel that you need to respond to the Lord You take this time and and respond. Let's pray together. We thank you so much, God, for your word, your stories. They're so rich. They are so good. And thank you for the challenge that your word gives us. You challenge us to have faith. You challenge us to trust you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you really do have all authority. Help us, Lord, to have genuine faith. Help us to genuinely trust you and your power. Let us review and reflect on our hearts to see if we do have genuine faith. And Lord, we pray that we would be used by you in whatever in every way that you want to use us. We thank you that you're so good and you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. Um, Lord, we thank you for your grace towards us that even while we were still sinners, that you died for us. You gave us goodness. You gave us mercy and love and all the benefits of being a child of God Even when we were sinners, you extended that kind of love towards us. And so we love you and we thank you, Jesus, and we worship you now with our mind, with our heart, with our strength. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.